0: The squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: I hate them all. I really do. I just decided I uh, Republicans and Democrats, I just can't stand any any of them. I'm talking about the career politicians. That's I'm even talking about DeSantis. I'm even talking about Ted Cruz. All right. I alright. I hate just tired of them. And they don't give a damn. It's all about themselves. They all just want to be famous. Uh, I'm going to take some of this back eventually. I mean, I I, I I admire Ted Cruz. I admire his intellect. And I'd be happy with him as president someday. Same goes for DeSantis someday. But these guys, every now and then, I am reminded that they're just career politicians. And I don't care. I don't care who you're talking about. If you go into politics before you're 30 years old, um, I just... I'm a little bit skeptical. I'm gonna, I'm a little bit skeptical. Adam Kinzinger was like a county delegate when he was 19. You think he's thinking about you and me? Or is he thinking about, are they thinking about themselves? They want to be famous. They'll, if they're really honest, they'll admit that. You know who did make such an admission? Very interesting guy who I've come to respect. His name is... Uh, Jim McGreevy, the former governor of New Jersey, remember that moment? I am a gay American he said. I actually asked a couple of people. Nobody remembers this. It's it's hard to believe no one remembers this. In 2004, I guess he was um, you know, he was married and all that stuff, but there was he was entangled with a staffer who happened to be a guy and he was uh, gay all along and uh he had to resign. Kind of amazing. Kind of amazing that you would be driven from office for such an admission. And today, it's almost (laughs) a prerequisite that you got to be something special to get in there, right? You got to be something special. Um, So in his book, I think they call it The Confession, McGreevy even admits, he says, look, I was seduced by the the attention, by the lights, by the camera. People walking up to me saying, wow, you're Jim McGreevy. Wow, it happens. It's human. It's human nature. I'm not real. I'm not. He's a good guy. He was especially good that he admitted it, that these are the kinds of things that drive people. And career politicians, you know, you have to earn our – you have to – and before you earn my respect, you have to have something to offer me, something to offer us, some sort of skill, something special. And they don't have it. Adam Kinzinger doesn't have it. Adam Schiff doesn't have it. What's his name? Uh, Paul Ryan didn't have it. Paul Ryan got to Congress when he was 29 years old. 29 years old. And he's going to set national policy for you and me. What does he know? I think the only thing he had done at that point was work at McDonald's. Um, nothing wrong with working at McDonald's. How about owning a few before you decide to tell us how to run the country? Hmm? I, and that brings me back to Trump. Because he is, in so many ways the ultimate person, the type of person they were thinking about, the founding fathers, they didn't want these kids, these children running government. You had to have something to offer, something special, some sort of skill, life accomplishment, and he had that. And as they said at the 2020 convention, he didn't do it for fame. He didn't do it for money. He had all that stuff. That's another big secret of why things are the way they are in Washington. The lobbyists, you know, uh, everybody becomes a lobbyist. What are, you, what are you qualified to do after a couple of terms in Congress? What, do, what can you do? What do you do with that stuff? You can do favors for people. You can raise money. Uh, you can ask for favors from people. You can smile a lot. What, what skills? What's transferable? You can't have a real job. No, you got to become a lobbyist. And what do you do as a lobbyist? You ask all the people you used to work with for favors. And there's big money in that. Pretty big money, believe it or not. It's a special, exclusive club. And it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat. It's the way it works. And these guys want to keep that racket going. And, oh, boy, it is a racket. I was watching the J6 committee yesterday. And I realized everybody on that panel, all of those nitwits, all of them, career politicians, career politicians, bureaucrats, and they want to keep this sick system going. And how do you do that? You keep Trump out. He's going to ruin the whole thing for everybody. Keep Trump out. And um, that's one of the th- Hold on a second here. Hey, speaking of the January 6th committee, do I want to go into this? Officer Gunnell, do you know who he is? The worst guy in the world. He was on uh, Morning Joe today. There's no—I'm all for the Second Amendment. They have to take his gun away from him right now. Right now. What else did we talk about? Oh, uh, you may think that the creative head of the Guggenheim Museum has nothing to do with you. I've been to the Guggenheim maybe twice in my life. As far as museums go, it's— like kind of interesting at least the building is interesting wouldn't you love to take a skateboard and go down that little curly queue uh but they've had a woke revolution there like everybody else and then the the 73 year old white guy who's in charge of the place is being pushed out because after some guy named George Floyd died in Minnesota everybody decided that the world was racist including believe it or not a museum on 5th Avenue Within these walls, we have entrenched racism, and we must do everything in our power to eradicate it. That's the kind of uh, noise that this guy was making. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta do the right thing. We have to do the work. We have to. And guess what? He's out of a job. You c- can't give in to the woke mob. I don't care if you uh, you're a, you have a paper out, or you run a museum, or you're the president of the United States. You can't give in. Oh, Joe, Joe Biden has totally given in. Totally, totally, totally owned. Have you watched television lately? What happened to all the white people? Seriously, what happened to all the white people on TV? Uh, These commercials are, well, even Joe Biden said, what happened to all the white people on TV? Um, Cut 35, if you will. Look at
2: this. (laughs) See somebody step this game up, huh? Game?
1: Over. All right, nothing wrong. It's a bunch of black dudes celebrating a, uh, a Toyota pickup truck. Keep going.
3: First team across and
4: check in. Hi, checking in? Yep, it's me, Megan, Stallion. You can
1: get oh, Megan Stallion. It the Stallion. Oh, Megan the Stallion. Megan the Stallion, that pornographic woman from the Bronx. Keep going. From the people in your
5: neighborhood, the people that you meet when you're
1: walking down the street. Some guy I don't recognize walking with Big Bird very uh, handsome guy and his daughter uh, celebrating uh, uh, i think chips ahoy cookies that's great the commercials are fine i have no beef with the commercials but i'm sorry what there what happened to all the white guys what happened to all the white just they've been all removed all gone um i just think that there has been an overreaction look what about the white actor what about the white actress are they suddenly did they suddenly lose their talent? Where did they go? It's happening everywhere. It's happening in art institutions, commercials, and where you work. Of course, it doesn't matter if you're a bus driver or you work for a healthcare company. Now, the elites will go along with this nonsense, and they do. Um, uh, listen to this nonsense. These are various actors and actresses um, just s- apologizing for being white. They're all white. Everybody you're about to hear from is white. Cut 36, please.
6: I take responsibility.
1: I take
0: responsibility.
6: I take responsibility. I take responsibility for every unchecked moment, for every time it was easier to ignore than to call it out for what it was.
7: Every not-so-funny joke, every unfair stereotype,
6: Every blatant injustice, no matter how big or small. Every time I remained silent. Every time I explained away police brutality or turned a blind eye. I take responsibility. Black people are being slaughtered in the streets, killed in their own homes. These are our brothers and sisters, our friends, our family. We are done watching them die. We are no longer bystanders. We will not be idle. Enough is enough.
1: Wow, she means action. Uh, I don't think she's met a black person in her life. That's uh, Piper, who? Piper. She was in Coyote Ugly. She's not going to be idle anymore. So I looked it up. Uh, what What has she been doing? That video came out actually a couple of years ago. Uh, what has she been doing since? Well, she's been in this movie, that movie. She's been in an episode of Billions. She's um, not taking her racial pledge very seriously, uh, just kind of blowing it off, but in the heat of the moment, you say that stuff so you can stay in business. you can stay in business, and when the elites start talking like this, it has a trickle down effect. It really does a corrosive effect let 's see here when do they all start their others uh basically pointing at their white skin and saying, Yeah, this is uh look at this it's i 'm i'm 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 so uncool because of this this white skin where is that where do we have that clip of all those guys saying this ah yeah cut 37 please
3: i'm asking for trouble here cuz here <laughs> i am an old old white guy talking about race relations but you're a mean mad white man the republican party is primarily a bunch of old white men and old white women you've got to offer something more than just being the next old white guy in life i uh, just know gray haired white guy in a suit you know it's fairly boring. Maybe somebody like me, you know, an old white guy working for the government, doesn't quite have the same credibility with people out in the community.
1: Shut up. Speak for yourselves if you want to speak like that. The prob- Don't speak like that, actually, because you're not speaking for yourselves. This thing has taken hold in the culture. It's taken hold in the culture. I don't want to be minimized or uh, relegated because I'm a white man. Cisgender, is that what they say? I don't. I I don't want anybody to be marginalized or discriminated against, no matter what the hell they are. That includes trans people. Although, oh, by the way, I don't have transphobia, but I do have trans awkwardness. I don't know what to do or say or how to look at them, not look at them, uh, he, she, they, what. What the hell are we supposed to do? They have made it the most sensitive issue in the world. And if you say the wrong thing around one of these transgenders, they will go absolutely bananas And quite frankly, they don't even know either. Uh, Believe me, these are confused people. All right? Now, is there actually an individual who's a woman who transitions to be a man who wants to have children? Doesn't that defeat the purpose? And then that lady on Capitol Hill saying uh, that's, if you raise questions about that, that's transphobia. And that is encouraging violence against trans people. You see this sick new perverted logic they've come up with to get you to talk and think in a certain way or better yet, hopefully not talk, hopefully not saying anything, especially, especially if you are a white male over a certain age and you're cisgender. I'm getting used to this cisgender thing. Cisgender means you were born a boy, you think you're a boy, and you are a boy. Or you're a girl, you were born a girl, you think you were girl, you're a girl, and you are a girl. That's cisgender. Why do they have to call it cisgender? Cisgender, I think, sissy. Cis, C-I-S. Whatever happened to that word sissy? Is that hate speech now? Not that it's my go-to or anything like that, but I think it might be, uh, it might be frowned upon. Ten-year-old raped in Ohio by an illegal immigrant. Who warned us about that? Do you remember who warned us and what people would not go there? career politicians? Donald Trump did. It's actually, you know what? Speaking the truth will get you in trouble. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that sad? Doesn't that sound like Russia, 1975? We got to get Trump back. I am rooting for you, sir. I'll be right back.
6: Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving.
1: Boy, you know who has not made. Uh, oh, you can smoke pot and be a cop here in New York City uh, for all intents and purposes. The NYPD will not be uh, testing for marijuana as a condition of employment or anything else. Uh, you could, why? Why not? Because let's say they suspect you of using the drug, which is still frowned upon, by the way. If they test you, they can't tell if you used it two weeks ago or 20 minutes ago. It, there's no way of necessarily telling so it violates uh, your rights or whatever because you are allowed to smoke weed when you are off duty do you realize how bad this stuff is i am surprised how many people just embrace it especially um uh the the, the, the well look does it help some people with glaucoma maybe fine that's fine medical marijuana sure i guess if that stuff really checks out okay but everybody else smoking it no it's really bad stuff and this is not the weed of uh Woodstock this is far more potent this is far more um it's even deadly it's even deadly at times hey whatever happened to K2 that stuff is still around that stuff is still around so the New York City Police Department you know they're already the standards have gone out the window Nobody wants to be a cop anymore. Did you see those pictures I posted a while back? Uh, the huge lines at the retirement center within the NYPD. Hundreds of cops saying no more. Why would they want to be cops? Everybody's trying to get them in trouble. District attorney's not backing them up. The community ripping out their phones every time they make an arrest. Trying to go viral. Trying to cap catch a cop doing anything that's slightly wrong. Um, no, they've... Why do it? And, oh, by the way, some of them might be, you make a mistake and you're thrown in jail. You lose everything. Who needs it? Who needs it? Yeah, thanks a lot. Black Lives Matter, NBC, Universal, ABC, CBS. You all embrace that nonsense. And what are we left with? A dirty city, less safe, fewer cops, and, oh, prices are going through the roof. You know why? In part. In part because of the black lives matter summer, you know, we basically legalized shoplifting now to the point that uh, gosh, the, they have to come up with those silly uh, those plastic containers. You got to you remember you had to ask to get the razors, you know, the the Mach 3 razors because they're so expensive. They had a problem with shoplifting. This is before the pandemic. Okay, it was bad enough you had to ask for help to get one of those. Now you have to ask for help to get a bag of Skittles or anything like that. It's becoming too costly to do business. We have Starbucks closing. We have Wawa. We have all kinds of stores across the country saying, we can't deal with this stuff. We can't deal with this stuff. And it was fueled, by the way, all of it. Even Starbucks, that woke company, they're kind of woke, kind of ridiculous. But it's still a business, a great American success story, right? And what happened was, they wait. Do we have my Starbucks video montage? It doesn't look like we do. Um, where Starbucks, uh, oh, yeah, here we do. Cut 42, please. This is the media going nuts because if you were a person of color and somehow felt insulted at Starbucks, it immediately became a federal case. Cut 42.
3: Two black men who are arrested in the Philadelphia Starbucks store are breaking their silence. Business partners Dante Robinson and Rashawn Nelson say they feared for their lives as the incident last week escalated. A manager called police to complain that the men asked to use the bathroom but did not buy anything and refused to leave. Police then took them away in handcuffs but no charges were filed. Starbucks has since apologized and announced that it will be conducting racial bias training for all of its employees.
2: What happened and the way that incident escalated and the outcome was nothing but reprehensible. And I'm sorry.
3: If we can't get, can get it, shut it down. We can get it, shut it down.
1: So they're shutting it down. You know, people are gonna have disagreements in a store, and I guess the moment the moment you have one person of one race. And another person of another race, it becomes racist. I've been arguing with people all my life, okay, about all kinds of things. I'm a I'm a cantankerous person. Sometimes I can be rather confrontational. Sometimes I can have a short feud. Actually, not not as much anymore. Not as much anymore. But I've had all kinds. You can have a disturb, You can have a disagreement. Hey, you double charge me for that? Hey, what's up with the bag? I try to be nice about it. I'm much nicer now than I used to be, but now if you get into an argument. With somebody who, what do they say, looks different from you, they rip out a phone, and you can lose everything. You could, Well, Starbucks has played this game. They try to go along with the woke mob, and they are slowly but surely losing everything. They're closing stores because it's too much. It's too much to put up with. And because those people um, in that one story read by the uh, news anchor there raised such a stink that they have to leave their doors open, uh, the restrooms accessible, to uh, drug dealers, to homeless people, that these Starbucks have become a fetid mess. Nobody wants to go there because of this hideous, dishonest conversation uh, that's pervaded largely about race. And thank God for Trump. He showed everybody how it's done. And I am surprised how people, so many, are turning their – maybe I shouldn't be surprised. And maybe I should have faith that the people aren't abandoning him it's the mainstream media. It's the Rhino Republicans. Wait a second, Mike has something to say about Rhino Republicans or something Republican. Mike, you're in Linden. What's up?
8: Hey, what's going on, Greg? Uh, I was really chiming in on uh, the hypocrisy of how the Republicans are have this stigma of being the uh, racists or not pro black or that they're the low, uh, all filled with white people in their party. I mean, the Democrats have two black senators. And every time you hear hear Tim Scott's name, he's the lone black Republican. I mean, if Herschel Walker beats Raphael Warnock, do you think the media is going to say Cory Booker, the lone black Democrat? I mean, it's so stupid. One more person—it's—it's ridiculous.
1: You know, that's very—you're right about that. (laughs) The the lone black Republican—you hear that all the time, but you don't hear it on the other side. And I'll point out. You know, there's nothing wrong with being white. These guys are apologizing for being white. Can you imagine diminishing somebody, making them feel less than for being black, for being Asian, for being Hispanic? No, it would be racist. And it's racist in the other direction as well. Thanks, sir. I'll be right back.
0: Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Wow, this is one of the most disastrous trips we've ever seen out of the U.S. president. He stinks everywhere he goes. He can't figure out that the Holocaust was bad. He's actually glorifying the Holocaust. Where is he now? Is he in Saudi Arabia yet? This stumbling, bumbling. He's, oh gosh, it's it's rough. Now, what's going to happen to him? He will have to resign next year. It's going to happen. It's either going to happen with his cooperation or maybe not. They're going to Cuomo him. Remember Cuomo? Uh Gosh, he was, he was like Plato compared to Joe Biden. But he's, uh, he was riding high, and then all of a sudden they decided to take him out. Now, they took him out over something so phony, so ridiculous. I, I know people get angry when I say that. I would love to have seen Cuomo impeached or forced to resign over that book deal. $6.1 million as a sitting governor? So offensive to me. You think my father, Ray Kelly, the longest serving police commissioner in uh, New York City history, couldn't have, (laughs) didn't have a book offer he could have uh, cashed in on while he was commissioner? He wouldn't do that. It was ridiculous. He wrote a book after he left, a very good book, by the way. It's called Vigilance. You don't do that while you're in government, all right? And for him to do that, he actually believed that, that silly Chelsea Handler when she said he was sexy or something like that. It went to his head. But getting him out on sexual harassment was such a joke. Tonight on Newsmax, again, I will highlight one of the, what do they say, the sexual harassment survivors. A sexual harassment survivor. Doesn't that sound so august? So, oh my goodness, you survived. A Holocaust survivor. Okay, don't minimize the word survivor by saying you survived uh, a look by Andrew Cuomo. Uh, you make that gown look good. Remember the doctor who gave him the COVID test. You make that gown look good. Believe it or not, in Letitia James's bombshell report, she is uh a survivor. That doctor. We'll show you tonight at ten o'clock. Hey, have you figured out yet that I got a Newsmax show, and it's one of the most unique programs in the history of television. It's innovative. It's compelling. It is no one's doing anything like it, including Tucker Carlson, by the way, who I like a lot. Uh, but this is very different, and uh, I'm very proud of it. And it works. It totally works. So, 10 o'clock every night on Newsmax. You can download the app. You can uh, watch it on your cable TV. Although sometimes, sometimes, and this is a pain in the neck, you got to call up the cable guy, and then they got to send somebody over the to the house, to, uh, which I can't stand in this day and age. You're still sending people to the house. To get one channel, it does actually happen that way sometimes. But uh, do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. You're going to like the 10 p.m. Newsmax show featuring me um, uh, weeknights at 10 o'clock. All right. Uh, Where were – oh, yes, this Officer Gunnell. All right. This guy was on Capitol Hill on January 6th, and he won't shut up about it. How can they – can you imagine Minneapolis police cops going on television – today and complaining about you know how they were treated during the riot after george floyd died and those cops being invited on msnbc i, I, I don't think there's a heck of, i don't think the mainstream media has a heck of a lot of sympathy for uh minneapolis police in the aftermath of george floyd then why did they have so much sympathy for these incompetent january 6 cops who let everybody in and shot and killed the unarmed woman ashley babbitt what why well, do you see the big problem there? But no, it's just another way to get Trump. Here's us, this guy. I got, we got to keep an eye on him. There's no way this individual should have a gun. He is still a Capitol Hill police officer. He's doing interviews all over the place with the fake news. He's sitting in the front row of these January 6 hearings, glaring at everybody. He's mad. He's mean. He's angry. He's armed. And he hates Republicans. Uh, cut 47.
9: You have a lot of people still downplaying that uh, horrific day. Uh, if it wasn't horrible for them, it was horrible, horrible for for myself and uh, many of my colleagues, especially at that entrance on the west front, uh, when I where I spent uh, almost five hours uh, fighting with uh, the mob. Um, you still talking about it? Still talking about it?
1: Uh. You do know that for months and months, months, years, this is somehow fighting riots or being involved in a riot. It was beneath him. Police officers are called to do all kinds of things. Stop a school shooting. Quell a riot. Sorry, pal. It's part of the job. Cut 48.
9: Multiple number of uh, rioters uh, attacking, taking turns and beating you up. Uh, and they had a lot of the people who we protected on, on, on that day downplaying what happened. Uh, Sometimes I run into them in the hallway and then they pretend that not to see mm. me. Uh, they, mm. they avoid me or uh, both to the right or to the left or pretend to be doing something else.
1: I don't blame them one bit because you, Sergeant uh, Gunnell, during those hearings, said that they should not be lawmakers anymore. I'll show you tonight, actually, at 10 o'clock. He says out loud, they are pathetic, and they should not be members of Congress anymore. It's pathetic. I took an oath to protect them, and this is how they treat me. Yeah, you took an oath, all right. What the hell is he still doing with a gun? What is he still doing as an active-duty cop? How is that supposed to make those Republican lawmakers feel? This guy with the cop has called them pathetic on national television. And look who's reaching out to him, though. This is a sergeant, a sergeant in the Capitol Hill Police Officer in the Capitol Hill Police Department, fielding calls from guess who? Cut 49.
9: In a year and a half since I was injured and they know my injuries, only uh, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney have approached me from the other side. Um, I don't hold any grudges. I mean, uh, I'm still going to be respectful to them. Uh, but they they don't want to talk to me. Uh, I still want to ha- ha- do my job like I did on January 6th. No, you don't.
1: No, you don't. You don't want to be a cop anymore. You want to be a full-time political agitator. And that's essentially what he is. He doesn't have any more duties at the Capitol Hill Police. He's on, like, light duty. Uh, so I don't think they put him on any duty. Because he's in chronic pain, he says he's sitting for these hearings. He watches all of them. He's watching all of them from the front row. Put him on desk duty. Put him on desk duty. Uh, one more. Cut fifty. So,
2: Sergeant Gennell, are you saying that only Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney among Republicans have
1: spoken to you, have checked in on you, see how you're doing, to apologize, maybe even for what happened
9: that day? They're the only two Republicans. That is correct, sir.
1: Oh my God. That is correct, sir. Uh, Willie Geist. Now, he's supposed to be straight news, not fake news, right? Straight news. Willie Geist. Uh, By the way, I'm seeing less and less of Willie Geist on the uh, morning show there, uh, Morning Joe. They're edging him out. You know the problem. You know the problem. You got a show called Morning Joe featuring a 50-something white guy. With his wife, talk about privilege, Mika Brzezinski, who's a fifty something white person, and then you got Willie, so bland and boring, the only thing interesting about him, quite frankly, is his name, Willie. You have three white people principals. Now, I don't see the world this way; they do. uh Cesar Conde, he's the head of NBC Universal. He came right out. It's their official policy that half of everybody here will be a person of color. By the time I'm through with this company, I mean, wow. How is that supposed to make you feel if you're not? I mean, I, 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 I guess I don't. They Maybe they have no interest in me. How does it make their audience feel? By the way, do you have that thing from the Today Show? All right. So I can't believe the Today Show really has lost its edge. Now, this conversation actually happened on television. You got Hoda Kotb and Jenna Bush looking at each other. They're not even looking at the audience, and they have this conversation. This happened on television this morning. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> it's not as catchy, no. but there is something about like, not trying to force yes. fun. It's like, just... Yes. And boredom may be a strong word, but it's just like, when you are entertaining yourself, when you're not having to have something that's going on for your kids all the time. Well, I was
8: going to say, it's like uh, when we were young, I, I mean, I went to camp for a couple weeks, and that was that was my summer. Yeah. Like, I would maybe go stay with my grandparents yeah. for a little. But, like, we were home. When we were home, my were, mom wasn't uh, scheduling
4: our days. Yeah, so what do you
8: mean? I mean, I remember, like, kind of going to the backyard and playing by myself. Yeah. I'd yeah. play dolls till
4: way yeah. too old. Oh, right, right. I remember, I remember that problem. <laughs> um,
8: but, but and I remember watching McGuire. Uh, I mean, no, MacGyver. MacGyver. I loved MacGyver. You did? Yes. Do you remember
0: MacGyver? Yes, I do Even remember MacGyver.
6: Oh, you
1: Fascinating, right? And it goes on like that. They go on and on and on like that. Um, Fat, dumb, and comfortable. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And they're looking at each other. Strangest, strangest moment that we're in. No one's pursuing excellence anymore. No one pursues excellence. They just, it's all about what's on the outside. Killing time. Andrew from Stanhope, hello. Speaking of killing time, just uh, what's going on, man?
5: Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I just want to say, um, Mika Brzezinski, I think it's virtue signaling that she married Joe because she's rich and attractive. So to marry someone that is not unattractive, you know, and putzzy, it's like, look at me. I'm, you know, it's like a form of virtue signaling. Wait, anyway,
1: wait, 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 wait. I don't get what you mean about unattractive, attractive. I mean, Mika and Joe are both like—I mean, there are lots of things to say about them. They're perfectly presentable-looking people. I don't think one's attractive. I don't think they're not unattractive people.
5: The wife is attractive, but the man looks like the Deliverance boy. That's what. Oh, he
1: looks fine. He looks fine. He's there's nothing wrong with the way he looks. I mean, they're they're perfectly compatible. Compatible that way. Although, let's face it—you know—they were both married to other people. They met at work. And then, you know, it's it's kind of in your face. Did they really have to anchor that show together? Can he get a sidekick from somewhere else that he married to? It's 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 just it's offensive. It's it's offensive to me, actually. Andrew, final word is what?
5: The commercials and the Guggenheim, in the commercials, I would argue that in a way they're being racist against both blacks and whites because treating blacks the way they do where they're never the bad guy in the commercial, it's like pandering and insulting to their intelligence. Like, we're not going to treat you equal. We're going to, you know, give you special, you know, treatment as if like you're a little kid trying. So I think, ironically, they're prejudiced against black people. You're onto
1: something. You're onto something, Andrew. And actually, it's one of the one of the many reasons why I really like Denzel Washington. Sometimes he insists on playing the bad guy. He insists on playing the villain. And all of Hollywood right now, they tiptoe around this in the weirdest way. Steve has something to say on this subject. Are you an actor, Steve? I just got handed a note here.
7: Yes, I am. First of all, uh, Donzel is a good man. And I'm an oddball because I'm a white uh, actor who is a conservative, been an actor for 30 years. I'm in all the unions. I want you to expand on what you said about the black and white commercials. I haven't paid my union dues, which is SAG and Act as Equity, because most of the listings, eighty to ninety percent, is asking for transgender LGBT minorities, and you constantly get emails from the unions supporting the liberal agenda, marching in parades, supporting abortion. Uh, uh, on and on and on, and I'm completely disenchanted with it. You, you just said uh, it's not the way it used to be with quality. It is not. I don't live in today's world. Thankfully, I have my own little production company where we put shows on, and that's how I, I derive my living. But the entire broadcast industry and acting world is a complete and total disaster.
1: And, you know, it's not just that world, though, which it's always been kind of lefty loonies uh, in, in Hollywood. We know that. It's impacting other industries that have nothing to do with that stuff. And pretty soon, there's going to be virtue signaling. It's actually already happening at places like, you know, the truck driving company. Steve, can I ask you something? How old are you?
7: I'm my late 60s.
1: What have you been in? Anything I uh, can look up?
7: Well, I'm, yeah.
1: You don't want to get into it. I get it. No,
7: no, that's not it. I'm about to call a, a... New York actor where I've been in all the shows, you know, Sex in the City and The Sopranos and all that. You want to look me up, look me up with uh, my company, New York Dinner Theater. We have shows going on in the metropolitan area as long as you're asking. But I've been, you know, I haven't been in any major roles. I have good parts through the years. I used to be in radio, uh, a number of things. But I've been in the, in the business, been in a million auditions, a lot, a lot of things. You know, stage, you name it. I've done it. Nothing, nothing that's really extraordinary.
1: Well, you're a working actor. I mean, look you look Correct. at the you look at the uh, the show. I, I'm always amazed by this, and I love this IMDb thing. You know there are there are small roles that really make an impression, and I'm like, who are these people? You don't know their names, but they're they're brilliant and they perform so well. One of my favorite movies, by the way, is The Candidate with Robert Redford. Came out in 1972. Look at everybody who opens their mouth in that movie. Everybody is brilliant. Every single person is brilliant. Every scene is brilliant. Yes, I know Robert Redford is a is a liberal lunatic or whatever, but this movie is so well done, and it gives you so much insight into politics today. It still works. It's very current, even though that movie is 50 years old. Is it time? It's time. But i got to give Sandra the heads up that I will be getting back to you because you're one of our favorites, B's daughter. And also, oh, some more good sound from... Uh, Uh, Last night's show, and it will evolve into tonight's show on Newsmax at 10 p.m. Be right back.
0: Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Oh, something we put together. Remember what they said about Joe Biden, how he was going to be this uh, kind, gentle presence, right? Because he had that elusive quality, empathy, 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 empathy. Cut 43, please. Empathy.
4: Your empathy. Empathy. Has become a trademark of your
6: presidency.
4: I saw from Joe Biden tonight with someone who showed empathy. It also seemed he wanted to, to change, uh, turn the page in terms of tone and really set a tone of empathy. So it wasn't a policy heavy speech, it was uh, Not empathetic. At
2: all. He focused on empathy. In addition to that compassion and empathy that he displayed today. He seeks to go to the root of the problem.
3: I think empathy is a critically important thing.
6: But I think one of the reasons that Joe was elected was because of his sense of empathy.
1: Uh, Can anyone really define what empathy means? I only hear it in a political context. I only hear it as an issue, uh, as a political football uh, that they can try to use against Trump because he had no empathy. Right. That's what they said. And by the way, empathy is arguably, if you really want to get down to it, you're feeling what somebody else is feeling. It's deeper than sympathy. You can really feel bad about what somebody else is going through. But because since Joe, let me get this straight. Okay, you know he lost his wife, and that's really sad. And I guess Bo had cancer. So now he can feel what anybody else is going through. He knows it. Well, people have suffered all kinds of things that Joe knows nothing about. I really doubt his empathy. And as a matter of fact... When you listen to this, you know, he just talks a big game. But no, he's um, like so many career politicians, but he's worse. He doesn't mean it. Cut 44, please. Cut 44.
3: My whole soul is in this. Bringing America together. Uniting our people. Uniting our nation. Do you want to be on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis? Or Bull Connor. We can see each other, not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. In the, the same camp. No, uh, I didn't say that. Look what I said. Go back and read what I said. Hear me clearly. This agreement must not lead to disunion. And I pledge this to you. I will be a president for all Americans. All Americans. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. take no to the pal, pal, to we can join forces, stop the shouting, and lower the temperature, for without unity, there is no peace. I said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? Get your work straight, Jack.
1: Wow, all that empathy, huh? <laughs> I just love it. I just love it. The, just when you can see the hypocrisy. And you can hear it. You think we're fools, don't you? You think we just believe you guys, don't you? You think we don't have access to what you said and what you're saying. Different things to different people. Hey, Sandra's standing by, of course. Legendary listener. Hi, Sandra. What's going on?
6: Oh, good afternoon. A couple of little things I wanted to share with you. First of all, I learned last night on your fabulous show that you love egg bites. You don't have to go to Starbucks to get them. Did you know that Dunkin' Donuts makes them even better?
1: I did not know that. We're talking about egg bites, these little, little uh, egg. They're like, uh, what is it like? It's like a mini frittata. They have them at Dunkin' Donuts. All right, that's uh, that's good to know.
6: and, And they're even better, and you can take them home, put them in your toaster oven, make them even more well done, and we live on them me and my daughter we love them well
1: i love them too i'm not going to go to that trouble with a toaster oven but i will go to i will okay, go to okay. dunkin i'm going to go to dunkin and and check that out what else
6: okay also i saw this morning on the news that this woman went to mcdonald's with her son and her husband kicked up a dollar bill that was on the ground and she got very very sick after handling it claiming that it was laced with fentanyl They did a drug test at the hospital. She was very sick. She she couldn't even move. That's how sick she got. And they ruled out drugs, but they didn't test the fentanyl. So I just wanted you to maybe look into the possibility. Is fentanyl transdermal? Is it possible you can get it another way, too? It's kind of scary.
1: Hmm. Uh, I I missed that story. Um, uh, All right, you got one other thing?
6: The last thing I'm really happy to hear that the head of the police department will not let the police smoke pot. I think if they allow that, that would open a whole can of worms down the line. And the last thing I wanted to say, I was thinking, if Trump becomes president and you become the mayor, wouldn't that be awesome?
1: It would be very awesome, huh? And they call the mayor's job of New York City, famously the second toughest job in America. Trump with the toughest? Me with the second toughest? (laughs) I like it. And yeah, no, I'm hearing that key chant. The police commissioner Keith Sharon Sewell wants to walk this thing back a little bit, but she better make it official. She just can't say it at a press conference. I saw the memo from the law department saying it was an order saying they will no longer test. Uh, she's got to make. She's got to get that in writing. And too much of uh, city government these days is about what Eric Adams says. It's not what. It's also it's not about what you say. It's what did Ben Franklin said something to the effect of. A job, how did he put it? S- something well done is better than something well said. You know, well said, my friend. Now, who cares what you say? You got to get it done. Something well said is not as good as something well done. Ben Franklin lives in our hearts. What a guy. All right. Thank you, Sandra. I shall return right after the news.
0: I see. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Hi. People want to report on my little babies. You know I have two little girls. Uh one is uh two and a half, the other is uh not yet two how old is the other one? Uh She was born in December. That makes her seven months, eight months, and she's amazing. They really are. She smiles so readily. I've never seen a baby ever, and her big sister doesn't smile. Everything she sees, she just marvels at. I mean, the great big smile. I almost am a little bit worried about it because she's going to be so trusting, you know what I mean? So, like, open to the world. Everything delights her, and quite frankly, when you're a baby, I guess everything should delight you. Everything's pretty much great. Right, get uh, breakfast in bed, lunch in bed. I mean, you know, they, they push you around. They carry you everywhere. It's too bad uh, babies really don't appreciate it uh, You know, <laughs> when you think about it. The other one is just a force of nature, Annalise. She's older. She'll be three in February and uh, knocking things down, reading books, saying stuff, talking back. <laughs> I just love it. Love it, love it, love it. Oh, and she always shares breakfast with me. Breakfast with Dad. She's uh, insistent that she uh, whatever she's eating she wants to give me some of it and if I'm not around she makes you know she just goes nuts and starts throwing things yeah, yeah, that share with so anyway that's going very well my wife is handling the bulk of the responsibilities although what did i have to do today i had to hold the little one for 15 minutes I like them in smaller doses than that I mean I don't know after i just i don't i get panicky. What does she want? What do I do? My wife always knows what to do you put i it's hard to believe actually, as I look outside right now on the street and I see everybody walking i see um I see a forty or something uh, guy I see a uh fifty or something woman I see a twenty year old dude i see I just see everybody we all started as those little babies and we had to have so much love in our lives to make it through that phase you won't uh you got to love a baby you know there's just it's automatic and to do the things that we do for our children isn't it a shame in hollywood when you look at these movies it's always in the tv shows on netflix it's always the kid it's always the teenager who's the enlightened one and the parents are always you know letting their children down uh being narrow minded not being understanding you know you think about everything your parents went through for you I, it's it's incredible and then we give them attitude about something you know I just they stay out of my business or oh, no you don't know what it is. like oh god shut up we would not be if it wasn't for them and that goes for my kids too all right i don't want to have any of that back talk And I think Hollywood should, you know, let's face it, uh, adolescents are jerks. I mean, they really are. They're so so selfish and uh, just caught up. Do you think back ever and you think of the things you did and said as a kid and you wish you could go back and fix it or whatever? I, I, I still wince. I still feel shame, quite frankly. You know, somebody said, I guess some celebrity or somebody got caught having a bad moment with a cell phone camera. You know, at the grocery store, they were yelling at somebody, and then they apologized. I am so sorry. And then the, that doesn't satisfy the mob. The mob goes nuts again. They're even angrier. And I see one person says, she's only apologizing because she got caught. And that's not true. That's not true. You know, shame is a uh, a thing that people felt before the cell phone, okay, before video, before going viral, I still think about some of the things I did, and I still feel, you know, I remember once making fun of a of a kid on the baseball field. He was younger. He had some issues, and I made fun of that kid. And granted, I was caught. I was caught by the mother. And the stuff she said to me, and she was a 1,000% right, I still think about that. And then I also think about the time I hurt somebody's feelings, this uh, classmate, and I said something so mean, and I still, gosh, why did I say that? Who did I think I was? there are two people i said that to they both and one i was actually able to apologize to at the high school reunion uh leave out the last name but her first name is amy and i said uh, you know we just you know hello oh hi how are you Yeah, um got to ask you something do you remember in band and i said such and such and she was like oh yes I got to tell you, I'm really sorry about that. It felt so good, and it felt so good that she has accepted my apology. I see this, by the way. Big, fat, dumb cop Harry Dunn is not accepting apologies. Not that you deserve anybody, but I guess some person who pretends they were at the riot went over to apologize to big, dumb, fat cop Harry Dunn, who was sitting big, fat, and dumb, and stupid in the front row of the J6 hearings and during a coffee break, it goes up to women of you know made for TV moment they they hug it out, and they say, "Oh wow, An apology was offered and accepted isn't that an amazing thing? And big, fat, dumb, arrogant thinks he's a celebrity cop, quote unquote cop, Harry Dunn comes out and says, "I didn't accept no apology. Well, wow, isn't that isn't that something? And of course, since you're uh, on the left and you're big, fat and dumb." And, oh, by the way, yeah, you're black because that's one of the reasons why you were chosen for this role. Okay? Make no mistake. They were casting based on what our friend Steve was talking about. All right? They wanted you to look a certain way. They couldn't have five white cops up there. No, that's just so not cool. They had, and maybe, well, anyway, they picked you, Harry Dunn. They picked you, Sergeant Gunnell. They picked you, Police Officer Fanone. They picked you, Officer Hodges. They picked you guys. Hey, one thing I gotta say about Finone. Remember Finone? Uh the the the, the what did they say? The treatment of my colleagues from uh, this panel has been disgraceful. I've been to hell and back, but some people say that hell doesn't exist. Well, that fake cowboy had the decency to quit being a cop. I got to say, I respect that. He's no longer a police officer. Now he's a full-time pundit on CNN. And when he says stuff now, I got to cut him more slack. I do, because you can be, it's a free country. You can say whatever the hell you want. You can go around, you know, you can. And he's not important enough to really to respond to anymore because he's just a talking head on CNN. Uh, But when he was a cop and when he was kind of inserting himself in these highly partisan issues, sitting in the front row and testifying and banging on the table and yelling at congressmen. Then I had something to say, but now he's just a civilian. Now he's just a guy with tattoos. But that's not true for Sergeant Ginnell and these other Capitol Hill cops who still have guns and are still speaking disrespectfully, disparagingly of Republicans in Congress. They don't have guns, but those guys do. It's really a bad situation. That Capitol Hill Police Department, man, oh, man, it should be disbanded. It absolutely must be disbanded. The Capitol Hill Police Department must be um, broken up. You can give it to the U.S. Marshals. Have the U.S. Marshals come in and keep an eye on that facility. Hell, they already do it for the Supreme Court. Capitol Hill Police. Why? 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 Well... You're not speaking honestly. You're not addressing problems. I've seen it. You've seen it. Cops waving people in, just standing there as people come into the Capitol. That happened. And, oh, yeah, Mike Bird opening fire on Ashley Babbitt. Oh, that little thing that Liz Cheney is going to pretend never happened. How dare that woman? How dare she? How dare Adam Schiff? Kinzinger. What? Not cool enough for you? Not hip enough for you? You can't, you can't make any points? Curry any favor with the woke left by defending a white woman? Is that it? What? Not rich enough for you? She's dead. She can't do any favors for you? Her family is working class? Is that it? Something tells me it would be a little bit different. Wow. Brianna Taylor, say her name. Long live George Floyd. What about Ashley Babbitt? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. This country is falling apart. You know, I said it the other day, save America. We have to save America. Every politician in the history of politicians has said, we got to save our country. I didn't believe it before. I really knew in my heart of hearts that America was going to win. I knew that in 1975 during the Cold War. I knew that in 1990 during the Gulf War. I knew that in 2001 versus us versus Al Qaeda. I do not know it now. I have, I do not know it now. This country could slip away. Absolutely could slip away. And too many folks out there are scared to stand up and say, no freaking way. Uh uh-uh. uh. This cancel culture crap—it's real. It's dangerous, and I know it is tough. It is dangerous, and I—good people would want to you know, mind your mind your business, mind your bit. Well, they're going to take it away, and I don't even—quite frankly, it's not. It's not. It's just—I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we just move away to some remote area of the country and live off the land. Wouldn't that be nice, huh? You ever think about that, giving it all up and moving away? Every now and then I do, but that would be giving up, and that's not going to happen. You got to stay and fight. Don't call the police. Stay and fight. We're not talking about guns and weapons, although I do believe in the Second Amendment, don't you? Uh, All right, one moment here. Let's go to uh, Eddie in the Bronx.
4: Hello, Greg. Hello. Hello.
7: Listen, um, uh, my question to you was, if the GOP takes the um, the Congress on on November, right? Yeah. The election. And and you think they should continue with the uh, January 6th hearings? Yes. Or you end
1: it? Yes. No, 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 no. I think we should have real January 6th hearings. We have a real Republican presence. We get rid of Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. They'll be gone anyway. And we look into the following questions. What the hell is wrong with the Capitol Police? And why did you shoot that unarmed woman? Those are the questions that need to be addressed. Okay? There was a riot. Why did you guys let everybody in? You can't just fire the police chief and pretend that department is fixed. So I'd be all for legitimate January 6th hearings. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Chris in the Catskills. Hello. Greg, uh,
8: I agree with. Some of what you say, I disagree with some of what you say, and I listen to a lot of talk radio. I'm a connoisseur. I'm very picky about what I listen to. I've got some constructive criticism for you. I don't know if you have time for any of this. I don't, I don't know, know if, know if I'm interested,
1: do. to be honest, Chris. I don't know if I'm interested. Um, give me one little point.
8: Okay. I'll get. So the point you made in the beginning about uh, – the portrayal of white men. Yeah, watch the black and white film *Night of the Living Dead*. The the hero is a black male. The white men in the film are sort of off characters. He's the only logical one, and, and ends up getting shot in the end accidentally because they thought he was All a right. zombie. That's one example.
1: Well, wait, 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 wait! But you're about to give me pointers on how to be a talk show host because you're such a connoisseur. That's just disagreeing with me or raising a movie that I've never heard of. Give me, give me, come on, man, lay it on. You're the, you're the expert. Go ahead.
8: All right, I wanted to bring up the point about you've had discussions about wanting to run for mayor of New York City, and I think your heart's in the right place with that. It, it, you, you would not be successful with the. All right, you're just
1: nitpicking. You're just nitpicking. You don't think I know it would be an uphill fight? All right, I want you to go back. You're the connoisseur. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. I think.
8: Don't take this the wrong way. I think your radio program would be better if it was half an hour shorter.
1: Thanks a lot. Oh, uh, we we're going to go to an hour longer, dummy. We're going to an hour. We're going to three hours. Hey, Chris, how long do you actually listen Uh,
8: to your program?
1: Yeah, Chris, it's not designed. You're not supposed to listen to the whole damn thing. We have very very sophisticated meters. That show, the average person listens to let's see here uh oh uh wait, what is it again hold on wait go, uh sixty seven minutes sixty seven that's uh, that's unbelievable, that's unbelievable numbers that's better than rush Limbaugh, God, and by the way, he's light years better than me, so uh Chris, how do you occupy yourself up in the Catskills other than nitpicking radio hosts
8: um <laughs> I actually listened to call attention for a while and I what? took care of my and I
1: agreed with everything
8: that you
1: said. No, no, you said uh, you disagree with half of what I say. No, Chris, okay. what do yeah. you do what do you do in the Catskills?
8: I took care of my elderly mother for quite a period of time and I was an elected official and Oh, that's right. I
1: remember mother. you. You called in and yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, look, I don't mean to sound so aggressive and pointed, but uh, every time, you know what I mean? I get it from all directions. I get it from all directions. Ah, all right. Good stuff, Chris. I will now have to say goodbye to you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Why don't you guys hang up on these f- funk when I say goodbye? Thank you. Eey, all right. Um, never again. Find out who that guy is. I don't want it. You're... Your, your talk show should be shorter. You should talk less. All right, give me a moment. Greg Kelly
0: on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Hey, by the way, if I do run for mayor, I would probably have to run as a Democrat. Now, look, you can be. Uh, yeah, I think I'd have to run as a Democrat. That doesn't mean I would change who I am. I'd have to change my party not even change my party affiliation. I'm not a I'm not anything right now. I can only vote in the general election. I am unaffiliated with a party. Um but yeah, I would do it. And here's one of the reasons. Um quite frankly, they never really you never really see it in the news, you never really see it spoken openly, but political strategists and politicians talk about it all the time. Race race, 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 race. It's all about race when it comes to politics, especially in New York City. And you're going to have a situation here where, first of all, no white Democrat is going to challenge, um, uh, what's his name, Uh, Eric Adams. No white Democrats. Now, the only person I could see doing it is possibly Jamani Williams. Uh, But I do think that people will be looking for An alternative. I mean, Jamani Williams and Eric Adams are, are like, in terms of policy and a lot of other things, way too similar. Way, way, way too similar. Um, And they'll be looking for an alternative. Someone who's not intimidated um, about race issues. You can't shame me. You can't say, oh, he's white. I don't – good God. I could care less. I mean, you're going to hold that against me? Are you crazy? That's racist. I'm very – um, unusual, actually, in that respect. Um, and quite frankly, took it from Trump's playbook I, in, in some ways. I've really identified with him. Remember when he said, I am the least racist person you will ever meet? Well, I quite frankly feel like I might even be least ra- less racist than Trump. And so I'm comfortable in this space, but I think it would have to be done. I'd have to do it as a Democrat. Um I mean, Republicans are always putting up somebody, well, hey, Curtis would have been great. Curtis would have been great. But you saw what happened to Curtis. Got vanquished by Eric Adams? Are you kidding me? It wasn't Curtis's fault. It's the Republican thing. But I think there were going to be so many fed up New Yorkers from, you know, New York is a very diverse place. And people come from all over the world. They will be so ready, so thirsty, so desperate for a change. Eric does not know, does not want to know. All he wants to do is party and wear that suit and tie that tie, and smoke that weed. Oh yeah! Wait a second. Where is this thing? Don't ever forget. Anytime anybody, anytime you think that Eric Adams is a serious person with serious things to say, think about this. When he's on the Colbert Show, Eric Adams cut forty.
3: One of my best gifts, as you know, marijuana is legal. I have raw. I did not know. I have raw. I am not aware, Mr. Mayor. I'm not into that scene. I have bamboo. Oh, it's big. And I can't give you this gift. I'll give it to you later, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's marijuana he's holding. I'll give it to you later. (laughs) We're smoking together with the bamboo I gave you. How cute. How cute, how ugly, how terrible. What the hell happened to us? I had a great guy on, uh, Kevin Sabet, by the way, runs this uh, organization, totally opposed to the legalization of marijuana. We legalized that crap without any significant public debate. I guess it was part, partially in response to Black Lives Matter and uh, the summer of 2020 and that myth about mass incarceration. Too many people, too many young men of color are being uh, arrested and thrown onto Rikers for fair evasion, jumping turnstiles, and a little bit of marijuana. A total, total lie, by the way. But it caught on, and now paying for the subway, only chumps do it. And let's see, smoking weed... Gosh, you really are now, like, uncool if you don't or you just um, – I, I, people I, – I'm getting all kinds of nastiness, by the way, because for some it's a libertarian issue. Uh, the libertarians really are into a legalization of just about everything. I—I I, Not this. Not this. Did I ever tell you about the time I smoked weed and got so screwed up I flew all the way to Kenya? I woke up in Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya. I smoked a joint – where the hell was I? In Kentucky. And the la- and I kind of blacked out. And the next thing I knew, four or five days later, I woke up in Nairobi, Kenya. It's crazy stuff. Don't do it. Please. Ever. Be right back.
0: Uh... Greg Kelly. Entertaining
1: and informative.
0: On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Wow. Rush Limbaugh. We miss him. He did so much for this country. Fortunately, he was, um, he, you know, he was appreciated while he was alive. It's not the kind of thing that in retrospect or whatever, people loved him. So popular, wildly successful. Um, and a very shrewd investor. Oh, my goodness gracious. Listen to this. Um this is in the Wall Street Journal. The longtime Palm Beach home of the late conservative commentator Rush Limbaugh is being quietly shopped for sale with an asking price of $150 million to $175 million, according to people familiar with the offering. The 2.7-acre waterfront property located on Palm Beach's Tony North Ocean Boulevard includes multiple structures, including a large main house built in West Indies style, according to public records and people familiar with the property. The property has roughly 250 feet of ocean frontage and direct access to the beach. You know, I've thought about this. I've actually never... I wouldn't want a house right on the beach. I'd want mine to be a block or so away. Partly, and I've been in these beachfront homes, you see people walking by back and forth. It's not like they can't go on your beach. But still, what a house. Listen to this. Mr. Limbaugh, a radio talk icon... And right-wing media starlet died last year at the age of seventy. Records show the property is owned by a trust tied to his widow, Catherine Adams Limbaugh. Uh, Mr. Limbo Limbaugh, Limbaugh purchased the property for three point nine million dollars in nineteen ninety-eight. What the three point nine? And now it's a hundred and fifty, a hundred and seventy-five. Did they do any? Did they do anything to it? Did they add like? A, did they add a house? Uh, I don't think so. Actually, this is if it sells for 150 million or more, the property will be among the most expensive ever sold in Palm Beach, where the luxury real estate market posted record levels of activity during the pandemic. Um, wow, Rush! Good for you! Good for you! We met, I've never heard of this. This is new. Um, homes for a hundred and a hundred million dollars. Uh, well, God, God bless. He's in heaven now. I know he is. I know he is. And he spoke so openly and boldly about his faith. Again, I got to meet him uh, twice, and I just thought it was awesome. It was one of the coolest things I ever saw when he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Now, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, Rush might have been faking it just a little bit when he acted so surprised. He got it during the State of the Union address. Remember that? Uh, Just an awesome moment. And gosh, that, that State of the Union was terrific. It's what they all should be, not just Joe Biden yelling and screaming. Um, By the way, Joe has appointed the worst administration imaginable when it comes to managing the economy. You guys like Miranda Devine? Uh, You've heard the saying, get woke, go broke. Well, that is exactly what is happening to America as President Biden prioritizes woke concerns such as climate change and gender and racial equity over sound economic Management With inflation hitting a spine-chilling record 9.1%, there is fat chance of his know-nothing administration having the competence and know-how to pull out of this doom spiral. Now, I raised this point last night, just comparing Joe Biden to Donald Trump. Joe Biden, 50 years in government. Uh, Donald Trump, no years in government, all years in business. That's valuable. Same goes for the Treasury Secretary. Nobody talks about him, but Stephen Mnuchin was a genius, and he worked at Goldman for a long time, made millions and millions of dollars. This is the you, This is the kind of person you want at the helm of the Treasury Department, not Janet Yellen, who's been an academic. I don't even count the uh, uh, university as the private sector, do you? Even if it's a private college, that's its own different woke warp warped world. Um. And listen to this. A staggering new report from the Committee to Unleash Prosperity shows that most of Biden's top officials have zero experience in business. Economists Stephen Moore and John Decker analyzed the work records and resumes of 68 officials with carriage of the economy and found almost two-thirds have zero business experience, including Biden himself. Just one in eight has what you would call extensive business experience. Uh, they're just a bunch of. I was really surprised that the head of the Office of Management and Budget. Now that's somebody else. Who do we who do we have under Trump? Oh, um, our favorite, Larry Kudlow. The the equivalent in his administration, they have nothing. Office of Management Budget Director Shalanda Young has no background in the business world. I do happen to notice she's a black woman. Let's see here, uh, trade representative Catherine Tai. Uh, has experience as a congressional staffer. Now, I happen to notice that she's Asian. You see, when you fixate on uh, gender and race, you tend to go with the first one you can find who will take the job who's available. But if you just look for the best person, you know, you might find somebody who looks the way, you know, it looks different from you, as they say. But no, when you're in a rush... And you want to make an administration that looks like America. I hate that. I hate that term, that terminology. Uh, oh, there's Pete Buttigieg. They try to say that he worked in the private sector. No. He, the reason why he is where he is um, is because he's gay. We talked about this before. And he's good at talking. I'll give him that. He can wow George Stephanopoulos on those fake news Sunday shows. But in terms of getting things done, he has no idea. Just like uh who are these other silly ones? Uh, Gavin Newsom, governor of California. Now, it looks like he might be the guy in 2024 for the Democrats. I mean, who do they have? They have that guy. He looks good, got the hair, tall. Uh, California is terrible, but America America has become not a country of what you've done or what you're doing. It's about what you say, what you say, what you've said. That's it. Silly words. That's... uh. That's all that seems to matter. Russ in Milford, Connecticut. Hello.
5: Hi, Greg. I'm just
8: wondering.
10: Well, actually, I'm hoping that uh, a lot of these states will uh, do away do away with the uh, drop off uh, mail uh, drop off
8: ballot boxes. You know, I mean, Wisconsin outlawing it. That's a good thing. Hopefully, it's going to happen. What do you think about that? They are
1: so inherently uh, susceptible to fraud. It's obvious. I did see the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, a little bit late, don't you think? Uh, but yeah. the idea, and it's not like just putting it in the mail. You know, it's one thing mail in, you know, because you can put lots of things in the mail. It's not the mailbox doesn't scream ballots inside, <laughs> but a ballot right. drop box does. And it's so obviously dangerous and wrong. <laughs> But that's the way the Democrats want it. Russ, great point. Thank you very much. Wisconsin Supreme Court. Way to go. Christine is in Middletown, Connecticut. Hi, Christine.
5: Hi, Greg. I thought it was disgusting that um, Keira Bridges labeled Senator Hawley and called his remarks transphobic the other day at the hearings when they weren't.
1: I saw that. That was spectacular. I thought Hawley was great. Do we have that handy, by the way? All right, do me a favor, uh, Christine. We want to listen to this. And uh, they're talking about abortion or something like that. And Holly yeah. is confused by this uh, witness who's a professor from Berkeley. And listen to what happens.
2: Professor Bridges, you said several times you've used a phrase. I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. It, would that be women? no i don't think <laughs> so you're did. denying that
4: trans people like this
2: and that me. leads to violence is this how you run your classroom are students allowed to question you Absolutely. or are they also treated like this where no, no, you're no, told allowed that to they're a- opening up people to oh, violence we have a good time in my
4: class you should join oh, I bet. you might learn a lot
2: wow i, I would learn a lot i've learned a lot i <laughs> know this <exchange>. Absolutely. extraordinary
1: <laughs> now believe it or not uh that was portrayed by the left and by the mainstream even as Senator Hawley just got owned uh by that whack job, uh obviously we know who was in control. They won't play the entire sequence like you just heard. they just take eight seconds, you know they just t- t- and they they splice it together to make it look like she won that argument anyway, Christine, you were saying
5: it's, she don't speak for me on being tra- and that's being transphobic, and she's wrong. It's forty percent of trans people who attempt suicide done is I was one of them 3 years ago. All
1: right, yeah, so let's remind everybody, you uh Christine, you are um you are transgender, but you also happen to be conservative and you think that the transgender conversation has been uh, corrupted and is totally ludicrous and uh and obviously is not speaking for you. You are unique, though. I mean, obviously everyone's unique, but I mean, a transgender conservative, I guess maybe not. I mean, look at the, we shouldn't make any assumptions based on sexuality or gender, be it LGBTQ or whatever, of what somebody would be like politically. So I'm sorry for that. And of course, Caitlyn Jenner comes to mind, uh, transgender. Uh, but you know what? Waited till adulthood to do it. She happens to be Conservative, and uh, that's fine. And oh, by the way, she doesn't go around talking about it all the time. Anyway, Christine, uh, final thought.
5: Well, there's hope. I, I went to Florida, and people actually celebrated Independence Day, and they were proud to do it down there, unlike here, where people, well, I'm not celebrating this year because they took our rights away.
1: Yeah, what happened in Connecticut? It just seems so muted. You know, it seems so. Uh, it, what, what, what day was July 4th? It was a Monday. It was a Monday. It it felt like a typical—I don't want to say a typical Monday because we all had the day off. But I got to tell you, there was more awareness, more celebration of Juneteenth than July Fourth. I mean, Juneteenth—I kept getting hit over the head with Juneteenth, and July Fourth was uh, just—you know—trains are running on a holiday schedule. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) It uh, was—it was pretty, uh, pretty striking and pretty sad. All right, Christine, thank you. So much. How about that Rush Limbaugh in his house? How do you get? And boy, three point. I still can't believe that he bought it for three point nine. What's that appreciation? What did he build it? He must have built more of those cottages, that kind of thing. That is pretty good. Or as Senator Hawley would say, that is extraordinary. Oh, also on my show last night, we blew Cassidy Hutchinson out of the water. Uh, Cassidy Hutchinson. Remember her? The uh, the young girl who, uh, well, they believed her because she's young and attractive. That's it. Again, America is not about what you've done. It's about what you say. And it's about what you look like. And I'm getting a little sick and tired of all these beautiful people and everybody kissing their asses all the time. I mean, I'm sorry. It's not their fault. But often people who are attractive, you know, it goes to their head. Everybody kisses their ass. And I, I, I don't like that. To be honest, I don't like that. And it happened with Cassidy Hutchinson because she looked a certain way. She sounded a certain way. uh, But everybody should have been listening to me. I knew right away that she was a fraud. First of all, here's a little uh, recap or rehash. Here she is uh, testifying. What is it? Ten months ago? No, two weeks ago. Cut 45.
4: Tony described him as being irate. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the president. Take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing.
1: Oh, my. Oh, that was. Oh, my God. Um, So what? Did you know she's talking about Tony? A conversation Tony told her about a conversation he had with Bobby. Well, where's Bobby? Where's Tony? Why the hell are we listening to Cassidy? And why the hell are you listening to Cassidy when we find out that she was in, she was a financially destitute, financially destitute. She's reaching out to uh, Trump staffers. She desperately wanted the job down there in Mar-a-Lago. They didn't want her because they didn't trust her. She's a leaker. She called the January 6th committee BS in a text message. She's on the record as saying this is all BS. But there's an opportunity and there's money to be made. And she was perhaps uh, recruited by that uh, grifter, Alyssa Farah. All these, there are three or four women who used to work for Trump who defected and now have made careers out of being anti-Trump. I'm talking about Stephanie Grisham. I'm talking about Olivia Troy. I'm talking about, uh, ooh, who's that Who's that tall one? Stephanie Winston Walcop. And then there's, uh, did I say Olivia Troy? Uh, there, You can get on The View. And not just get on The View to talk about your experience. You can be the host of The View if you're a woman, you're halfway decent looking, and you say the right things about Trump. Such an incentive. Such a corrupt incentive. Uh, oh, we're going to have a guy on from the National Review tonight who's got some very interesting documents about Alyssa That'll be on at 10 o'clock tonight on my Newsmax show. Ooh, I got to go across the street in a couple of minutes. I'll be right back.
0: Greg Kelly Greg on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Oh, also tonight on Newsmax at 10 o'clock, there's a company in Texas. You know, all these woke companies are now paying their employees, saying we will pay you to go get an abortion. We'll pay uh, your airfare and your hotel Uh, If you fly off to whatever uh, blue state you want to get your abortion, because we don't have abortion in such and such state anymore. Uh, Now, very, very smart and savvy people actually have figured out why they're doing that, because it saves them money. These companies are not being generous. No, they're being stingy because uh, maternity leave versus seventy five hundred dollars to get the abortion. What's more expensive for the company? The maternity leave companies do not want you having children some of these companies anyway we meet a uh, some uh, business owners from Texas who have gotten together and they will pay their employees handsomely to have the babies an extra incentive to have children in addition to the i guess legally required maternity leave That's fantastic. Again, 10 o'clock tonight. I know people are grumbling some of the new time slot. To be honest, I like it. It works for me. I hope you can make the switch. 10 p.m. Newsmax. It is very special. You know, Fox has totally lost their way. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they stand for. And earlier I was talking about career politicians. You know, they don't know anything other than Asking for favors, raising money, smiling for votes. That goes for about 9 out of 10 people on uh, Fox News, by the way. All right? People who have done nothing but stand in front of the camera and talk and read somebody else's words. Okay? That's 9 out of 10 of them. There are a couple of exceptions. You know who I'm talking about. But the rest of them are vapid, silly phonies. All right? You can tell from the coverage of the J6 hearings, their treatment of Trump. Calling Arizona the way they did, and some folks because it's easy to find on the damn dial. Well, oh, we got to watch the Fox News; they are faking it. Remember that they are totally faking it. All right, I got to wrap up here. Some people have been on hold for a while. Let's go to Walker in Jersey City. Yes, Walker.
3: Hey, Greg. Uh, I just wanted to ask a question. That uh, you know, Liz Cheney has said that part of the hearings were, were to abolish the Electoral College as we know it. And I'm just wondering, if we abolish the Electoral College, would we now choose uh, start choosing the senators at large, like nationwide, instead of state by state?
1: Well, number one, I did not know Liz Cheney said that out loud. Uh, I know that the the left is pushing for an abolishment of the of the Electoral College, uh, which ain't going to happen, by the way. You'd have to change the Constitution. You'd have to have the Constitutional Convention. You'd have to get buy-in from, uh, what is it, two-thirds of the states or something like that. It's not going to happen. Uh, I did not know that Liz Cheney said that. Are you sure?
7: I'm not positive. But yeah, positive. I, don't think, I
1: don't think that's her position. I don't think that's her position because, quite frankly, her state, Wyoming, would not benefit uh, at all. They got two senators. They got more senators than members of Congress, which is just her, although not for long because she's out of there soon. Mark, thank you. I'm sorry, Walker, thank you. Mark in Midtown. Mark, hi. Oh,
10: Greg, um, Greg Bullitt, <laughs> I have a great Trump story for you. Um, I w- this is this is going back to 2015. Yeah. Sitting in uh, in the uh, this was in the middle of the Republican primary. You had Trump. You had Jeb Bush. You had Rob Marco Rubio. Everyone. Yep. So I'm sitting in my um, in the main conference room with the president of my company, who's a a Democrat. He knows that I'm a lifelong Republican. When the room clears out, he looks at me and he says, "Mark, tell me, who do you who are you pulling for in the Republican primary?" And I hesitate for a moment and I say, well, sir, you know, I kind of have a gut feeling that Trump might get it. And he looks at me, makes this face basically that, you know, I'm out of my mind. And I thought my career was just done right then and there. And he pulls out his hand. He says, I bet you $2 million that Trump will never be the Republican nominee. Now, of course, um, I never saw a penny of that money. But the point is, I'm trying to make is that right now, as things stand, um, I feel stronger about Trump getting back in than I did then. I love it. Trump getting in the first time. Hey, hold on and, a
1: second. Uh, wait a second. Wait a second. You, did you shake his hand? Did you take him up on the bet?
10: <laughs> I did, but like I said, like I don't want to I don't want to get into I mean, but I mean, right did now. he uh,
1: bets A, might, a, a bet's a bet. Is he football. still your boss?
10: He is. He is.
1: Well, I mean, you've mentioned it to him, right? <laughs> Have no, you mentioned I it didn't. to him? No, no. Are no, you no, kidding no. me? Two million. And by the great. way, a guy who says that out loud and offers his hand, and he's the boss of the company, has the money, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? He's a rich know, guy, know, correct?
10: Of course, of course, multi-millionaire,
2: obviously.
1: Well, I, I think this whole issue should be revisited.
10: Look, Greg, um, the, the, the main thing. If, if you want, I got one more story. If, if no, you're we're up, out of you you time. I,
1: your story. The thing with the bet, though. My goodness gracious. Two million dollars, you know, that is actually not an idle promise. There's a guy, a musician by the name of Ryan Leslie. He's actually pretty talented. He lost his laptop and in, in, in on a plane, and it had a lot of his music, like music that he was writing, and he said, If anybody finds my laptop, I'll give him a million dollars. Well, somebody found the laptop, brought it to him. And wanted his million dollars, and the guy was like, oh, I wasn't really serious. Well, a judge actually made Ryan Leslie pay the million dollars. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know it's not a perfect example of what you did there. Can you tell us what company and what his name is?
10: No, 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 no. I Why do,
1: not? I'm going to... I know, I know, I know. Listen, I got to go. Mark, thank you very much. Thanks, everybody else. I'll see you at 10 o'clock tonight on the Newsmax show. What do we have going? Uh, ooh, I got that company again from Texas. They're paying people to have the babies. How refreshing is that? Everything in my show is, quite frankly, refreshing and innovative and bold, unlike 95% of the crap you see on Fox News. All right, to be continued, uh, is Rudy in the building? Oh, he's from home? All right, Mayor Giuliani will be joining us uh, from his special studio. See you later.